0: Welcome, everyone, to this episode of the Superhero Ethics Podcast. My name is Matthew. I'm one of your hosts. Joining me on the line is Jacob. Hi,
1: everyone. It's me again.
0: And today, folks, we're going to be talking about something you never hear us talk about, Daredevil. But there's two good reasons. First of all, Daredevil Season 3 is about to come out, and we're really excited, actually, to do a preview of uh, of the season that's to come. Um, We've been talking, I think there's a lot of great topics that are uh, ripe for us to dive into, Uh, the kind of questions that we're hoping to see explored in Season 3, things that we think haven't really been resolved from Seasons 1 and 2, and also because Jacob and I have realized that part of why we have um, kept bringing discussion about Daredevil and Kingpin into almost every possible conversation we could is that we've never actually gotten to sit down and just talk about Daredevil. Uh, it just keeps coming up for everything else. So maybe if we can kind of get all of it out of our system, uh, we can sort of be ready to um, maybe not bring it up quite as much uh, for other things. Though I imagine it will still come up from time to time because as we're going to talk about, it is such a paragon of the kind of questions this whole podcast gets into. So, Jacob, let me just start with – um, how are you kind of feeling as we look to um, – or, or, or let me back up a second. Jacob, um. Why do you think it is that we love Daredevil so much and that it, it, it keeps being brought up in this podcast?
1: Well, one of the things, one of the reasons I feel like we latched onto it was it was the the premiere, the pilot uh, Netflix Marvel show. If you look yep. through uh, the topics that we reference m- most consistently, we're obviously very hot on the Marvel, ne- or, yeah, the Netflix Marvel shows in general. Um, and it's because there's some consistency in their theming and, and their... They're framed really well, They and they deal with a lot more, I guess, down-to-earth issues than, like, the Avengers films do. So our heroes have to deal with real life, they have to deal with things being a bit messy, with um having a secret identity, in, in Matt Murdock's case, right, with the Matt Murdock Daredevil thing, and uh, with Jessica Jones having to deal with her own trauma, right? They They deal with these very personal things, and by and large with some exceptions time and back uh have very compelling interesting villains um and and so and i guess the hand i could also have have fake coughed the hand cuz yeah. it's also bad <laughs> uh which is a shame such a such a waste of Sigourney weaver in in that role and i mean i'm not that she didn't do an amazing job but like they really should have explored that better anyway Agreed. uh m- moving on i think the reason why we latch on to daredevil specifically though is because his character is centered in this like so he's 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 the hero that we want right he is um he's got his he's got his flaws he's got his demons uh he is somebody who is just trying to do good he's uh obviously like he struggles fiscally he struggles with with human relations sometimes um he has this sort of internal conflict as well as the external conflicts and the the bad guys of his storyline aren't always, you know, super nefarious uh and sometimes they're his allies so like stick is is supposedly a mentor to him and is incredibly antagonistic in their relationship nice. so i feel like it daredevil just did so much to humanize superheroes in a way that we we hadn't seen for a while at least uh leading up
0: yeah, I, I I think that's very accurate especially because I mean I I think you feel somewhat this way but I I have very often talked about how The Dark Knight is probably my favorite bit of su- of superhero media if not in my top 5 in part because I think it frames some of the questions that I love so much so well and I think for me one of the things I really love about Daredevil is how much it jumps into the same questions specifically about what is the line between justice and vengeance? what is the line between acting for your own personal motivations versus trying to actually do good you know how do you decide when it's okay to break the law in order like you know the difference between law and justice um and those are all things that batman wrestles with and in different ways those are all things that matt murdock wrestles with um and i think the the combination of that as well as as you said Kingpin being probably one of the best villains I think that we've had in in I, I think in all the MCU. Well, uh, one of the best in the MCU, Mariah Dillard recently has made a very strong argument for that her Stokes. as well. Stokes. Um yeah. Um <laughs> such a good character. Oh man, um, I love Mariah. But um but but and, as well as Cottonmouth was just phenomenal. As well, mm, loved Cottonmouth. But yeah, the the point being I I think that those are both reasons why um this this show is one that really grabs us. Um and and so with that what let's kind of talk about some of the things that we're really excited for um go, going into season 3. Um the first of which and I'll admit I was just squeeing and fanboying so hard when I saw this in the preview we're getting Kingpin
1: back. Mhm. Yeah, that's that's going to be some good Daredevil, especially after he's had his time away. He's had his time to reflect and he now knows what the hand was up to and that he was yes. being used. And I think that there's I think there's a lot there that they can explore with his character. Um, I would kind of like to see um, I would love to see a narrative where he at some point ends up working with Matt Murdoch uh toward toward a particular goal that they share because in some like there there is a shared vision that the two of them have that they could align on and i would find that particular storyline to be very fascinating where i mean i always like it when the heroes have to team up with the villains and i know it's a a cliche at this point but i in this particular case i feel like there's a a really solid grounding for it
0: no I, i would agree with that and i think in some ways um Magneto, Professor X share share the idea of them both being part of an outsider group that that Murdoch and and Fisk don't. But I do think that there's the element to which, you know, both Ek, Professor X and Magneto both are looking at a a problem in terms of in, in injustice, the way mutants are treated, and they're both trying to figure out how to solve it, just using different methods. And I think as as we talked about somewhat in the Fisk versus Punisher episode. That's exactly where that—that's the sort of axis on which um, Matt Murdock and and Wilson Fisk connect, is that both of them look at Hell's Kitchen, a neighborhood they—they they, I think they both truly love, um, and they both want to help it, um, I and and just kind of to me I think one of the things that makes Kingpin such a great character, and we talked about it a lot, um, on that episode, so we don't want to go too deep, but it's worth mentioning is that, I think of all the villains we have seen. He is one of the ones who I am clearest that he has the most altruistic motives. You know, he his methods are where we really get into trouble as well as like the gentrification aspect of what he's trying to do. But although you can call that a method as well. But I truly believe that he looks at Hell's Kitchen as a neighborhood he loves and cares for. And wants to make it better.
1: I, I mean, I would argue that Mariah Stokes actually falls, especially given in, in, uh, in Season 2 of Luke Cage, falls along a very similar line. We don't see mm. – we, we, don't, we don't have other examples, but I just want to push back just slightly on him being the only one in that particular case. On so
0: I, that's actually a good one to get into because I would say – and I, I think in, an, in a different way, this is what makes Mariah such a great character – I saw her as someone who isn't as purely altruistic because what I saw with her is someone who you know a large part of her loves and cares for the neighborhood so much a large part of her also is fighting so hard against the shadow of her own mother who claimed to love the neighborhood so much and and really was just using it to fuck it over to to hurt people including including Mariah herself for her own gain my take on Mariah's character is that part of where she's – she's is that she's really wrestling with trying to figure out how much of this is her own altruistic interest versus her sort of trying to deal with the demons of her past. Um and and so I I, I and maybe you you don't see it that way, but I would see her as just as interesting in a different way. But but they are kind of different from 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 uh, King. I mean, uh, King they,
1: Finn. yeah, they're. I mean, I'm not saying they're the same character, but in the same way, they do things that definitely cross a line beyond which I can't say. Well, you're definitely like I, I can't call them heroic, right? Oh yeah, um, for sure. But there are things that Mariah does with the gains that she has gotten. So it, it it's similar in the whole like doing trying to do good in some cases but the way you get there is is problematic the way you like she got her money through through criminal means uh kingpin's rise to power similar uh similar uh themes there right, right. where both of them uh came into came into power came into the position to be this influential um through ill-gotten gains right And from Mariah's perspective, I feel like she didn't think she had another choice in order to get there, and it's corrupted her along the way, which is not surprising, but it's, you know, it's a part of the character that makes her interesting. I guess you could also say the same thing for Fisk, though. I just, I see the... I, again, they're clearly not the same character. There's a lot of, of differences there. But I feel right. like in a lot of ways, there's there's things to connect with there. There's things to identify with. And this is why we keep talking about the Netflix <laughs> Marvel shows, because they keep giving us the, this good stuff.
0: For sure. No, and I, I definitely agree with you on that. Um, and so let's get into the thing that you, you mentioned that I, I think is, a, to me, one of the most interesting things about where Wilson Fisk is at the start of season three. Which is him kind of coming to the realization that he was somewhat a pawn of the hand. Um, this is, you know, and, and just a refresher for those who, who either haven't seen all of this or, um, and by the way, spoiler alert for everything Marvel Netflix um, that has, has ever been come out. Um, but, but you know, what happens is, is all throughout season one, I, I, I think, in kind of a wonderfully ironic turn on his name. Kingpin is the one kind of moving all of these pieces around in terms of like Madame Gao and the Russians and and, and the the um the, the Japanese man who ninja whose name I completely am blanking on. Um uh, it doesn't matter. Um but you know Kingpin seems to be the one moving them all around for his purposes, and as we get hints at in season one and really as revealed in season two and then in Defenders. All along, they were the ones using Fisk for this thing that would actually be incredibly destructive to the neighborhood he was trying to save. Um, and, and we've never seen anything about him being in jail realizing that. But I, I I have to imagine and I'm really hoping that we're going to start season three either with him already knowing that or with him coming to understand that and having to really wrestle with what does that mean for what he was trying to do.
1: It's, it's Nobu, by the way. Uh, And the only reason I didn't snap that off immediately was because I consume a lot of of media that originates from Japan, and Nobunaga Oda is a character that is evoked a lot, and I wanted to make sure it wasn't just me conflating that character across (laughs) multiple different properties. But yeah, it was in fact Nobu. Um, Anyway, uh, talking to your your point about the... uh, And unfortunately like there are good ways they could explore this but it does mean they have to acknowledge the hand and the plot line surrounding the hand from defenders yeah. and the end of of season 2 of Daredevil and unfortunately that is some of their weaker material so I'm not sure what they're what they're going to do about that but I do think that if they explore it in the um in sort of introspection in sort of the like you Know he was trying so hard to be in control that he let himself be controlled. Going to our devotion to a cause episode as a, as right. a callback to that idea, or if he gets that realization, what does that do to a man like Wilson Fisk? Um, right. probably makes him angry, uh, so probably doesn't make him more in control, but uh, maybe not. Maybe, maybe he'll find that stillness that uh, that Danny Rand is trying to impress to uh, Luke Cage in Luke Cage season two. I'm almost done. With Luke Cage Season 2, and I cannot wait to talk about it, guys. but oh, we're going to have such a good
0: conversation about that. But yeah, we'll, we'll, I'll, I'll make sure to hold off on spoilers there. Not mm-hmm. to mention, and this I think is the first time I'm going to be truly, truly surprised. I'm looking forward to talking with you about Iron Fist Season 2, because it actually got pretty darn good. I,
1: I tell you um, what, not to not to go too far off the, the beaten path here, but if the Danny Rand we saw in the episode of Luke Cage I just finished with is the Danny Rand we see in mm-hmm. in iron fist season two i am on board
0: yeah i'm not gonna say anything else but yeah there, there's some really good directions it goes but you're right i think that, and that, that's like something we haven't talked about with fisk but it makes him a, a really interesting part of his character is he's such this contrast although it, it, it makes sense we think about it psychologically you know he is the picture of the person who presents to the world as being you know calm and, and and kind of like the 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 iron fist in the velvet glove you know he mm-hmm. works so hard to look you know respectable and to have the right paintings and the nice suit and things like that but it is so clear that there is just so much repressed built up rage in him that you know as we saw with this is the this is sort of the dignified in control villain who I think still is at the top of the leaderboard for the most brutal death scene in the Marvel Cinematic Universe, where he took a guy's head off with a car door. Mm-hmm. Um, and and to me, that's um, it, it's sort of one more interesting contrast in this character. And yeah, I'll be really interested to see, you know, does this news make him fly into a rage, or does he sort of just turn turn all that inward? And especially, I wonder if he's going to blame himself. Um, he seems in some ways a very self-reflective character. You know, he he spends so much time staring at the blank wall and, and thinking. And in season one, he kind of has a meltdown when he has some idea of what others are doing. And I'm going to be really curious to see where he directs those feelings.
1: Yeah. And, and, like, there are a couple different ways I could see it going, but for me, one of the most... One of the things that I'm curious how they're going to approach it is that Wilson Fisk was a character who, as you said, like he he had that that persona that he presented to the public and it was a very respectable persona. Well, he's gone to jail now, right? He's done some time. So is he going to try to rebrand as a refor- as like the reformed criminal who's trying to undo and right his wrongs while still being, you know, while still being that guy who's who's doing the bad things all along? We've seen it done in media and it can be done well, so like it that's a a possibility. Or is it gonna take it in an entirely different direction where now he has he feels he has to be more of a, a shadowy influencer rather than in the on the center stage.
0: Right. Well especially because and I'm gonna be careful not to spoil anything, but um you know at at the end of Defenders, um Matt Murdock says to Danny, you know, protect my city. Mm-hmm. And that is a plot point in uh, Iron Fist Season 2 that I'm not going to get into details on, but but certainly Danny feels to some extent like he has to continue to carry Matt's mantle to protect the city, but he by no means seems to apply it to Hell's Kitchen specifically in any way. Like he doesn't become the new version of the devil of Hell's Kitchen, mm-hmm. um, which makes me think also that part of what Wilson Fisk will be coming back to is something of a vacuum in Hell's Kitchen, and – I I wonder if one of the things we're going to get to see explored is sort of both Matt Murdock and and Wilson Fisk coming back into a Hell's Kitchen that has had neither one of them in it for some time, and them both sort of taking a look at what's happened and and where that could go.
1: Yeah, I don't um, have anything to add. Uh, <laughs> I I want to see it. Can can we just like. I don't want to like fall asleep. I got things to do, but like I would like them to release it early maybe. Although 12 I...
0: days. We have 12 days. Oh my goodness. I still haven't
1: watched any Iron Fist. Okay, anyway.
0: Someone who I'm also really looking forward to I I hope is going to return because I thought she was such an interesting character, both in how she relates to Fisk and and in, in the her own right is Vanessa. Yeah. Um I I loved the character of Vanessa because I I think we saw so much more of Fisk's human side, but also because, you know, we often talk about how the villain always believes they're the hero of their own story, and sometimes that kind of stretches credulity because you're sort of like, doesn't everyone else around you see that you're a villain? And what I love is that Vanessa is one hundred like in Vanessa's mind, she is the love interest in the Kingpin hero story. you know she one hundred percent believes that Fisk is the hero and daredevil is the villain and i I loved that about her because I loved the perspective that she brings of that yeah, this isn't cut and dry, a lot of people. Would probably see Wilson Fisk as a hero. I mean, a lot of people, even in today's world, you know, um, look like like the debates we have about gentrification, whether or not that's a good thing or bad, um, or, and the means by which people can do things to clean up neighborhoods and deal with crime. I I think if there was a real life Wilson Fisk, there'd be a lot of real life Vanessas.
1: Yeah. So one one direction I would like to see them go is that, uh, as you said, there's a power vacuum that's that's existed now in Hell's Kitchen for some period of time. Um, I'm almost wondering if Vanessa picked up where Fisk left off, and this is more yeah. like plot speculation, but I would really like to see a story where where Vanessa has been sort of carrying on, and then when fisk comes back uh she's like she still you know she's she can actually be in the public, she can be a public persona, and they're kind <laughs> of like working together, but now they're the relationship is different because now yeah. she's she's in the thick of it and has like, basically, I actually want to see her with, like, more agency and, and more, not that she didn't have agency, but more, like, of a hand in what they're doing and have it le- be less about, like, this is Fisk's show and she's a supporting character in terms of mm-hmm. his agenda and more that they are two, you know, two sides of a coin, right?
0: So I, I wonder if you had this feeling when we got to the end of season one of Daredevil. I, I think I'm right about this. I believe she was in a white suit like a white pantsuit. Mm-hmm. And I might be wrong about that, but there were a couple other details that made me think that there was a possibility that what they were setting up was that she was going to be Kingpin yep. instead of Wilson Fisk. Yep. And I was really on board for that. And I was I was very disappointed that we didn't get her at all in season two. And so, yeah, what you're talking about, about um, like seeing that she has been not just kind of hero worshiping him, but saying, okay, well, if, if he can't do it, I have to pick up the mantle and and become what he was trying to be. I, I don't think we're going to get that, unfortunately. But I would really love to see that storyline.
1: I mean, especially if she realized that the the hand, for lack of a better way of putting it, was poisonous. Um, yeah. Early on, and cut ties, and started just trying to work, you know, on the on the DL until they got out of the picture. Um, because that should then she could have established a really organized and you know very, very nice tightly woven web with nobody being nobody actively disrupting. Uh, and so could have like put a new, put a new foundation for for a uh, center of power in Hell's Kitchen again. Uh, under I guess the Fisk brand, the kingpin brand. Yeah. Right.
0: Well, especially because that could kind of go in two different ways. It could be that, and so Wilson gets out, and he's like, "Oh my gosh, you're you've learned all these things, and let's work together." I could also, though, see her being like, "Wilson, you've fallen off the pedestal for me because now that I see how much you were being duped, you know that she's kind of like mm-hmm. soured on him a little bit, and maybe now there's some conflict between the 2 Um, we're we're now deep into just pure plot speculation, but I think that. I think again because it gets into this fundamental dichotomy at the heart of most of the villains we love, which is that they don't realize that they are becoming the things that they hate. Um, you know, and I, Matt Murdock actively knows that that's a danger, and he's fighting it as hard as he can. I think in part because he sees someone like Wilson Fisk has succumbed to that, and I love to see you know Wilson Fisk and Vanessa either re, you know reconciling or, or in conflict over those questions about which one of them thinks that they are still the pure versus um you know going in the wrong directions. Right. So let's kind of get um or actually do did you have anything more on, on Vanessa or Fisk?
1: No, no, not any more on, on Vanessa or Fisk. Only to say that like I obviously we're gonna see both of the characters again and I I'm kind of hoping that what we see is uh, more of a – because, again, Vanessa was, was really portrayed in a – in mostly a supportive role of Fisk and in, in like right. sort of as a lens for us to view him differently through when she was around. And that has some as, – as an ethical point, that has some problems in portrayal in media that I'm not exactly comfortable with, so I would like her to, to be her own person more. Um, if that makes sense, I feel like
0: no, it does. I mean, she's a very useful foil to him, but but in being a foil, she she's sort of the every person character. I, I we've talked before about how like the everyman character that that is the audience stand in. Mm-hmm. I think on some level, she's supposed to be uh, a version of the audience st- uh, stand in. Um, I just got a, a message telling me to remember that I'm supposed to record with you right now. Um, but I think she's supposed to be um, the audience stand-in for how it is that someone could be seduced by Fisk—not um, literally, but like taken in by his idea. And you're right that that it's an interesting character, but it kind of denies her some of her own agency. And yeah, I would love to see more of that. Um, I, I admit you're more optimistic than I am. I don't think by any means it's guaranteed that. Um, Netflix is going to go back to her because I think, honestly, as good as Netflix has been, one of the areas where it has really fallen down is on continuity sometimes. Mm. Um, so I'm afraid that they are just going to, like, make, you know, say a one or two line about how he's sad that she realized how dangerous things were and went back to Italy or France or wherever. I hope they're not going to do that, but I, I would not be surprised if they did.
1: So, sort of moving on, uh, from from I mean, as as we've done before, we can talk for a very long time about uh, Wilson Fist specifically. But um, there's another thing, there's another piece. This has to do with the end of Defenders. Um, and it's something that it, it's a, it's just rampant in Marvel stories, and it's so it's not surprising to me that they're doing it here. But so Matt Murdock Defo Defo died at the end of Defenders. Yep. Except that he didn't. And so there's there's some issues with that whole execution, but just as as an idea about um something I'd like to uh, to talk for a bit about is the when our heroes are free from the consequences of of death, so when they like when they make a sacrifice, but we know they're not going to die, it it doesn't it's not the same moment. It's not really a sacrifice yeah. then, and it sort of it it sort of cheapens the act if that makes sense.
0: It, it does. And I'll admit, I'm a little sorry that um, Paul isn't with us because, well, I think he sometimes agrees with us on that trope. He he often disagrees, especially on the one that for me started it the most in the Marvel Universe and that still rankles me the most, which is um, the fact that Tony lives at the end of of uh, the first Avengers movie. Mm. because, and, and I think it's exactly what you're saying is to me what he is doing in that moment is being willing to sacrifice himself for the greater good. And Tony Stark had been established in the, in both that movie and in the Iron Man movies that had come before as being someone who was primarily self focused and not able you know that he's he's really much um he he's a raving narcissist he's a narcissist with a lot of great ideas and who can do a lot of good, but he's very self focused and for him to make this you know act of extreme you know ultimate sacrifice, I thought was incredibly powerful and I now remember that most of Avengers, I think is a great movie, but the first time I saw it, I was actually really upset by it because I was so angry that he lived at the end. Cause I thought that was so cheap. And to me, Netflix, I could sort of see it as it's the comic books and in comic books, no one ever dies. And the MCU is still the PG 13 version of all of this. But Netflix is the R rated stuff and, and their death should matter, you know? And, as much as I would be saddened to lose Matt Murdock, I thought his death under that building was one of the best parts of Defenders and was such a good, you know, they'd kind of written the character into a corner, and, and, and we'll talk about that more, but they'd taken him into such a dark direction that in some level, having him die there, I i thought would be a perfect ending. And you're right, it just felt so cheap when he, we showed that, nope, he's alive in a Catholic hospital.
1: Right. And the, the problem I'm especially having is that, you know, that all of the people that work with Matt in Defenders were affected by his death and have, and have sort of done things to move on and to, and to honor that sacrifice. And, you know, you just, at some point he kind of has to come back and be like, hi guys, uh, just kidding. Everything's fine. Um, And, like, it's very difficult to write that moment and have it, like, play well at all.
0: I I will say not to be too critical, but that one of my biggest complaints about some of the more recent series is that I felt like they haven't dealt with the events of uh, of Defenders very much. Um, so I'm not quite, like, I, I kind of wish we'd gotten a lot more of Jessica and Luke and Danny and how they're dealing with, well, Danny, we do get a lot, but of Jessica and Luke, we get a little bit, but not as much as I'd want. But, but certainly, yeah, you're right, is that I, I don't know what happens because, especially because one of the things that the shows have, have, <clears throat> have set up in the season two of all of these, um, or at least the post Defender seasons, and I'm I'm disappointed by this, is that. Even though they were all in The Defenders, you know, they're not all showing up in each other's stories that much. They're sort of popping in every now and then, but Jessica Jones is about Jessica Jones and Luke Cage, Danny shows up for a little bit, you know, and I imagine that Daredevil season three is going to be the same. And I think that's going to feel wrong because as you said, an essential part of Matt Murdock being back to life has to be. Him reconciling or not even reconciling, but him reconnecting with the people who fought with him and thought he died
1: right, and like so one thing that they could have done if they had if they had really played with the continuity was to have matt murdoch be one of the people they can't do this anymore because they've mm-hmm. definitely written things post defenders but they could have had matt murdoch be one of the people that got snapped out and then mm-hmm. gets rewritten and tie it into the tie it into the avengers line movies and then he's part of the grand resurrection it's a, like then okay whatever it's a pleasant surprise i guess but they can't do that anymore. They, so, like, now we have to have two different, like, let's undo all of these death things.
0: Yeah. And and I'll admit that's, for me, and this is, again, a, a little bit of a different topic, but I think it, this, this is a good time to, to mention it. When I saw the Snapture, it, it hit me really hard at the end of uh, Infinity War. And there was a part of me that was thinking, okay, but clearly it's all going to be undone. And then I realized, wait, but we have a year for that to happen. And I was like, okay... They're going to make this feel more real if we really get to see a year of the post snapture world in all these other Marvel products that are coming out. And the fact that they just haven't done that with any of them, including with the Netflix shows, I, I which are all set in New York City where, where yep. so much of the Infinity War battle happened, I, I think is a, a real disappointment and really undercuts the power of the end of – I still think Infinity War was a great movie. But honestly, with every Marvel property that comes out where the snapshot isn't mentioned, I I lose a little bit of my love for Infinity War.
1: Yeah, that I, I'm actually really glad you brought that up because that's been that's bothered me a lot too. There's all this potential that they could have had for for writing stories where it's like you know, you know, people talking with you could just you know our heroes talking with people who come to them with problems and being all like, look, I lost like my uncle in the in the event and like they'd have a name for it and they could write whole like, you know, people are in mourning and people have like cult movements and stuff that crop up because of it. Like there's so much material that you could farm from such a huge cataclysmic event like that that really would affect our heroes' lives and create some really good stories and we're just not doing it. We're just not even gonna touch it.
0: Yeah. And, And and kind of tying it back to where we started originally, I think it's to me, one of the things – and you and I have talked about this a bunch and, and Logan and I especially talked about this in our episode on um the the Logan movie. Uh, my friend Logan who talked with me about Logan, the movie about the, the Wolverine character. One of the things that I often find troubling uh, ethically um about a lot of action movies is the idea that they present violence that doesn't really have consequences. Mm-hmm. And – so when things show me that, no, things have consequences, that, you know, you ride bravely into battle, someone might die and that might really affect everyone. Someone might, you know, be injured and not be able to keep doing what they were doing because now they're a fundamentally different, you know, physical being um, because of the some kind of injury or something like that. And so I, I, I guess I am – in the defenders especially, like I thought what – as dark as it would be, I thought, like, what an incredible story to go forward with three defenders haunted by the death of the person who'd kind of brought them together, um, and and yeah, so to lose that, I thought, was just a really disappointing thing.
1: And it's also annoying that so so far I've seen Jessica and Luke Luke Cage showed up in Jessica Jones, and Danny Rand's shown up in Luke Cage, and in these in those episodes. I'm pretty sure nobody mentioned Matt dying.
0: There's a brief mention. I I, I think Danny says something to Luke, and I think Jessica at one point says something to Trish about like, or, or Trish says something to Jessica about like, you know, what did Matt die for? Or oh
1: yeah. Okay. But, okay. So there's a nod right. to it, but.
0: It, it's a very brief nod. And, you know, not that, I, Jessica's got quite a lot of her own trauma. Thank you very much. I, she's the one who I think I could most sort of be like, uh, all right, the guy stole my star. If he died, life goes on. But like, I would think Luke would carry that to some extent. I certainly think Danny would carry it to some extent. And and I I just feel like I maybe we'll just get a uh, Daredevil season completely on its own, and then I think that's still going to be really good. But I think I'm going to be a little saddened if if we get this story about um, Matt's death and and you know resurrection, which I. To be honest, I love that he's a Christian character. I am so sick of resurrection. And as a Christian myself, I am so sick of resurrection motifs. Um, So I really hope they don't lean into that at all. But, yeah, I I, I do think his reconciling or or reconnecting with the Defenders will be important. And especially, even if it's not them, you know, Foggy and Karen were two people who are clearly so affected by his death. Mm -hmm. Um, I really hope we're going to see more of um, – of that
1: but in um, uh... in order for them us to see foggy and karen in matt murdoch's show about matt murdoch starring matt murdoch we probably have to see them interacting which means like yeah that's going to be an emotional thing but i I, it's very rare that that's executed well if that if if you understand what i mean where Mm -hmm. like we'll have we'll have a we'll have a, a reunion scene as it were right and you know they'll be angry and they'll, they'll go through the five stages of grief all over again, um, but generally speaking, that's that's it and we're done after that point. And it just right. like again, it, it, I guess maybe I I just want so much more catharsis and you know, you, you can call me an edge lord if you want, but <laughs> I just I want more of like no somebody died this matters let's let's feel it.
0: Well, especially because this is a good way to get into this, um, when when. We got to the end of The Defenders. Uh, Matt was not in a good relationship place with either Foggy or Karen. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and so let's kind of pick up with there. What First of all, just putting aside his death, what were your thoughts on, on sort of the direction those relationships had taken?
1: So I was honestly most crushed by uh, Matt and Foggy being at odds with each other. Mm-hmm. Um, it, it, it actually parallels very strongly the Jessica Trish thing. Where I just Yeah. I don't like seeing good friendships get get torn down for for reasons that's really one person's fault. Right. Um and that maybe that's in part because I've been, you know, in those situations myself and, and they weren't very good for me either. Uh but but like there's there's this thing where, you know, they had been working together for so long. You know, we when we come in, when we meet up with them, they'd already established a strong foundational relationship between those two. Um and when Karen came in and it didn't divide them, like and and so like I guess it's all upsetting because I also really was enjoying where Karen and Matt's relationship was going. Um yeah. and I just also just really love uh Karen's actress a lot um in her role in Punisher, in her role moving forward in, in the show and I hope we see more of her um so to sort of leave them leave Matt's connection with both of them in in such a, a damaged place and then have him die and so like they never get that closure now what does he do like how does he how does he reconnect with them like how does that happen
0: Yeah and I I think the same way like I'm sad about him and and, and Karen but in some way it kind of makes sense cuz we're going to talk about it, I feel like he sort of felt he had to make a choice between Karen and Electra, and and I I don't like the choice, but I think I understand where he, that character makes it. But for me, one of the things that I loved so much about season one—it's it, something you and I have talked about so often—like male male friendship mm-hmm. and the importance of showing that in good ways. And it was such a vital part of season one, even to the extent of like Foggy finding out about well, does he find out he's Daredevil in season one or she's no? He, yeah, finds out in season one. Mm. And it obviously strains their friendship, but they still find ways through it. Um, and especially as you brought up, like it is such a trope that two men are good friends and then a pretty woman comes along yep. and they both like her, but she only likes one of them. I love that they avoided that trope entirely. Um, and I thought, OK, good. We're going to have a solid you know, friendship here. And the way they've taken it. Is has just been so disappointing to me. Well, and I and hope I'm... that
1: we, I hope that we see more Foggy Karen scenes in Daredevil season three, where the where it's the two of them interacting, yes. and they're not just talking about Matt, some kind of like weird superhero based Bechdel test thing, I guess. But like, <laughs> not not to not to admonish that or or diminish that in any way. That's 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 a real thing. I'm just saying, like, right, as as a joke, but. We have many Foggy and Karen scenes before Matt died, where they interacted and they did not talk about Daredevil or Matt Murdock at all, right? Mm-hmm. Um, they were dealing with um some other problems in Hell's Kitchen, like they were, they were also being heroes. Like everybody right. on that three-person team was a hero in that show, and I and I, I want to see that kind of revisited. And there's just no way to do that. I feel like unless I guess what they could do is they could have Matt Murdock like, come back but only show himself in in the area as, like, another masked, costumed-looking hero. And they're all like, how is the Devil of Hell's Kitchen back? Can't be Matt. Who's doing this? And, like, hmm.
0: Well, and there I think I, I, I am a little different than you because I, I agree that I like those two characters separate from from Matt and would like to see some of that. But I also, I think one of the things that is so interesting to me is that they are in... This place that I think is really dramatically interesting of someone who you loved very much and were also incredibly angry at has died without, like you said, a chance to have the catharsis for that anger. And clearly they're both heartbroken about his death. I think they're also gonna have very different reactions to the meet. you know, the um like 'cause both of them were sort of upset about what he was doing as Daredevil. And I, I, I can imagine both of them having so many complicated feelings about how they felt about Matt. And I I think I would like to see some of them processing that together. Um even if, either it's them supporting each other or them being in conflict because they have very different reactions to it. But I, I, I like I agree with you. I want some of the the the, the, the Matt Murdock back tell test. Um, you know <laughs> of them talking about other things. But I, I I could see that like for the first couple of episodes, Matt is healing and recovering. You know I, I don't think that he steps out of the hospital in episode one. I think or at least I hope that the first maybe episode or two. Are scenes of him recovering while the rest of the world is dealing with the loss of Matt Murdock and Daredevil, and I would really like to see some of Karen and and Foggy dealing with that. Especially because my hope, and maybe I'm being you know Pollyanna-ish here, but like you said, I would really like them to get the catharsis. And I don't know if we can do this, but I want Avocados of Law at Law back by the end. You know, I really. I think one of my only real disappointments from season one was that they broke up the law firm. And mm-hmm. that was such an important part of the comics that I really hope we get back to it.
1: Yeah. Yeah. Uh, and and part of that means that at some point Matt Murdock has to like, so I feel like Matt as a character will not be able to sit there and, and let them continue to believe he's dead when, when, uh he- well when obviously he knows better, I'm right. hoping they don't go the whole amnesia route, but oh, that's God. a possibility that's so tired, right like I said I it nothing and to do I, with I, that. I heard your eyes rolling but like <laughs> it is it is a possibility is definitely within the wheelhouse like this this is a or again it's a common trope where somebody's back but they don't remember who they were they don't like remember the mission or their people or the people and so that gives them an excuse to because i think like if he knows right if he's fully aware and he chooses to let them continue thinking he's dead i I just can't think there's a universe where that's okay
0: yeah especially because we've literally already had that plot line with electra yep um and i just don't want it again you know He's been declared legally dead, so this might get into real complications, but I – one of the things that I liked about the character so much in season one that I think they really got away from in season two is the idea that he was the lawyer by day, the daredevil by night, and that he was fighting justice in both ways. Mm -hmm. And am I right we don't get any kind of real courtroom scene in – like we have a little bit at the beginning when he has the disabled character, and I loved that, but – for the most part, there's very little legal drama in season two. Am I right about that?
1: In season two, yes. In Defenders, we actually got more. Um, yeah. And so, Defenders had a better portrayal of of Matt Murdock, both as Matt Murdock and as Daredevil, um, because he was he was playing both aspects of his role. And but I, I agree with you that the the most compelling Daredevil is somebody where is a Daredevil where we get to see. Both of those aspects play out, and right. so like I would love for one of the early parts of the se- of the season to be him you know trying to get his living status back they yeah. <laughs> like what well what do you mean you took you seized my assets or whatever like i'm I'm here, that's mine well and
0: yeah, and <laughs> like and especially because and again, here I'm pie in the sky i I think we this continuity train has been lost. But one of the things that I think is so great about Daredevil in the the comics is that Daredevil is very wrapped up with the whole Civil War plot line because he's the lawyer who's representing some of these um heroes, like you know, in legal challenges to um I don't think there's are the Sokovia Accords in the comics, but whatever those Accords are. Right. Um and and we've talked about how we w- but you know, the the shows have been mentioning Sokovia Accords and things like that. And I would love if Again, this is maybe my, my pie in the sky. I have no idea what's going to happen. But I would really like it if the kind of – you know he reconnects with Foggy and Karen. There's a lot of catharsis. There's a lot of fighting. And to some extent at the end of it, he's like, OK, guys, you're right. Maybe I should be trying to work more in the criminal justice system and not putting on the mask. And then as the season develops and whatever happens, if Fisk happens, we start to get more of the tension of him – thinking can he just be the lawyer or does he have to put the mask back on um i don't know if we'll get that but i think that's a storyline that could be really interesting to explore
1: yeah i don't know if they're going to uh, i don't i don't know if they're going to give us that or not but i agree with you that uh it's tough because there's only so much that they can do within within a particular season what they, what right. i don't want is another like you know half season of like really good really compelling stuff like they did with Punisher and then just i got to be honest i didn't actually like the electro plot line kind of at all um Neither did i and i like i would uh, like to, them to be to... clear
0: uh, just to be clear for all, i think i know what you mean but you're saying the half of the season of Daredevil that involved Punisher not that there was one half of Punisher that was right. good and one half that was right, right, right. right, okay
1: right correct 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 the the first half of Daredevil season 2 because the second half of Daredevil season 2 focused on Elektra in the hand and like i like the character of Elektra i didn't like that storyline it just felt yeah. really kind of linear kind of one-dimensional to me and that wasn't what I go that's not what I go to my Netflix shows for it's the same reason I have a yeah. problem with the Diamondback portion of season one of Luke Cage uh, because Cottonmouth was just a way more compelling uh, villain and it was a much more interesting story and it, like, yes I liked that we got the uh, the background the, the backstory yeah. of Luke uh, during that time like during that second half of the season they explored his origin where he came from his family but I feel like season two does a much better job of exploring his family by bringing his father into it. But that's a, that's a no, topic I, for another podcast. Sorry. Yeah. I just like it's, it's fresh on my mind because I just got done watching another episode. And I'm like, man, <laughs> Finish I finished that
0: episode and we've got our next episode for ourselves. But, yeah. um, but no, no, the, we promise our next episode is not going to be Marvel related more on that later. Um, But you're right. And I think especially, well, first of all, in the list of bad Marvel Netflix villains, there's not many, but cotton is near the top of that list. And zombie ninjas.
1: You mean you mean mindless... Diamondback's top of that list, not Cottonmouth. Di- oh no,
0: no, yeah, Cottonmouth's fantastic. Diamond Ma- Diamondback is probably near the top of the bad villains list, and unfortunately, um, mindless hordes of zombie ninjas is pretty close second. Yep. Um, so I- I'm with you on the Elektra thing, but the other thing, is, and and kind of tying it back, especially to to where this podcast is coming from, to me, a really big part of the Elektra storyline. Is, is Matt Murdock having, like I said, it's it's the Karen versus Elektra, it, it, and, and to some extent, it's his future versus past, but a lot of it is, um, electri- you know, at the start of season two, Daredevil is very opposite of the Punisher. And and my take at least, is that Elektra, I think the Punisher would think Elektra's got the right idea. Mm-hmm. And I, I feel like, a big part of him choosing Electra in season two was about him kind of leaning towards the Punisher and saying maybe the Punisher's right, and I I understand that storyline, but it's certainly not the one I would have wanted him to take. Right? Like, did, am I thinking too much and, into this, or do you well, see it the same way? No,
1: although he didn't, you know, he didn't lean into that too strongly either. Like, there's still a part. There's still, even during Defenders, he was clearly like trying to or at least paying words to to preserving lives except for when it came to the hand who were i guess trying to achieve immortality because like reasons influencing society it was it was a bad story um yeah. cuz it was basically the batman uh batman begins story right we're we are the people who undermine your civilizations and and that whole thing and we're so evil because we keep going and we keep going because we're immortal or whatever and like um anyway uh the 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 problem there is that i don't really feel like that's the choice that matt made i feel like matt made the choice to be with electra because he felt like he could fix electra like he you know what i'm saying uh, Fixes. Yeah. fixes a loaded term in this case but it's that whole like I, you know, I, I feel very strongly for you. I have, I have hormonal feelings for you and I want you, I want to change you to be the person I feel you can become. Um, right and especially like all the way leading up to the end of defenders you know he stuck with that and i feel so i feel like that's where he was going with it not that he thought that electra's path was the right one and that punisher might have had a point but he wanted to be present so that he could be hopefully the influence to to change her which is if you've ever heard anything about people being in relationships where they're all like well I'm trying to make. I'm trying to change them. I'm trying to make them better. That's obviously credibly loaded and very right. problematic.
0: No, and I, I, I like that take on it more, um, especially because there's, you know, one of the other psychological things that often happens is you try to save someone from something because you're worried that you're that thing yourself, you know, and so hmm. you're, you're worried that you're that thing yourself, and so convincing yourself that they can be saved means that you can be saved. And certainly, Matt Murdock's fear has always been since the beginning of season one that he would be the Punisher, and and so yeah, I can see that idea of that he is trying to save Elektra. Well, that's a really
1: um, good point that he sees those darker aspects of himself in Elektra, right. and so like he needs Elektra to be redeemable to 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 br- be able to bring her back into the light to show that there's an escape path for him as well. I yeah. really dig that. Yeah.
0: but that, yeah, yeah, because because I, I and again I. I don't remember all of uh, Daredevil season two so much and my dedication to this podcast is high, but I'm probably not rewatching that anytime <laughs> soon. Um, but <clears throat> my memory is that although you're right, I, I do think he is trying to pull her away, that he's also somewhat tempted. I mean, tempted by her in general and his, his feelings for her and his love for her and his attraction to her. But also that to some extent, like she's making a very similar argument to the Punisher, but she's making it in a way that he finds more appealing. Um in part because of his interactions with the punisher first so having stayed with him but i cuz so i i agree with you that i think he is telling himself that he's trying to save her but i don't think i think some part of him is is in doubt and that's also part of what's happening mhm so where do you think that's that storyline's going to go because um my memory is that that both he and electra die uh you know they're both yep. theoretically died under that building at the end um and, you know, she was the Black Sun at that point. So she's even more, I mean, again, problems with season two. They never really explain what that means. But my take on it is that she's kind of immortal or somewhat like that. So if he lived, I think she has to have lived. Um, I, 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 we said that they might write Vanessa off. There's no way they can write Electra off, is there? I mean, that's, she's got to be a part of this, don't so you think? He,
1: so here's what they're going to do. Uh, at the Uh-oh. end of every episode of Daredevil... <laughs> We're gonna to cut to underneath the rubble, and Elektra's gonna be moving another inch up, and then another inch. <laughs> that would be terrible. That's not what they're gonna do. Um, but I, I think you're right that there's. I don't. I think the writers have written themselves to the point where they they can't abandon the Elektra character. Um, I would like actually for that particular event to sort of restore her humanity. Because at that point, like, I, I, this is one of my biggest problems with Defenders is that Electra was, you know, a reasonable human being right up until a certain point during that plot line. And then all of a sudden it's like somebody flipped a switch and now she's just a a amoral murder machine. And I just don't get it. Right. I don't understand what they, what, what is happening with the character mentally. So if they bring her back, like, we need to explore her psychology in some way. Like, show us her early childhood. Show us some, some stuff that got her to where I can believe this character is not just a caricature of, ooh, this is the bad, tempting thing that Matt needs to stay away from because it's the dark or whatever.
0: Well, I think, and I, <clears throat> I agree with you, they did not make this clear at all in, C- in Defenders, but my understanding is that she dies at the end of – um when does she die she, i think she dies at the end of daredevil season 2 correct but but that yeah but and and that when um Sigourney weaver's character brings her back to life that that's the moment when there's a switch and it's not she is a fundamentally different person she's now the black son kind of living in electra's body
1: right and she but has that, some memories and and connections and so she stays her hand at some points but she's like Possessed by something, or or I don't know. yeah
0: right because again it's that idea of like the amnesia and the memory and mm-hmm. I, I agree with you I am I I get where he's coming from and I think you've put you have put a better spin for me on Matt Murdock trying to save Electra but I really hope we're done with that I really hope that um you know I I would like to see her continue although she's not my favorite character and so I certainly wouldn't mind if. The two of them had some kind of catharsis, and then she left. Um, but but certainly, I do hope we get her back. Somewhat of, you know, the person who was was because again, I I don't think there's a hero villain binary. I think right. there's a a, a line on all sorts of ways, but especially on the, you know, Matt Murdock to the Punisher to Wilson Fisk to to you know an Elektra falls somewhere in there, and it's a, a five dimensional line. But but I I do think that that. Electra and Punisher to me, You know, honestly, where I want to see Electra go? I'd love to see Electra on season 2 of Punisher.
1: I was ex- I was going to say the exact same thing when you when you stopped talking. So, yes, yeah. agree. <laughs> exactly there. I think that that's because and not because they align actually. It's it's more because um she would then be showing Punisher, here's, you know, what the the path you're going down, here's where it can lead. You can get into all kinds of bad things, and then Punisher actually having to be the one to say, "Hey, no, that's not okay," <laughs> which it would be a different place for him.
0: Yeah, I, and I, honestly, I don't know which one would be saying it more to the other because mm-hmm. I think I think they're both in that gray area yeah. between right and wrong in different ways, and I, yeah, I think they could they could be teaching each other and conflicting with each other a lot. But but yeah, so so getting back to that, I I, I would like to see um I, I would like to see something happen with Electra. I start I. I Plot-wise, I don't think it makes any sense if she's dead. Um, I don't think it makes any sense that Matt is alive, but (laughs) either way. um, Maybe
1: their connection with each other is what kept Matt alive, and then he got teleported into a hospital because of his faith? I just, I can't. uh. (laughs) I I don't even know. Like, we're going to get fed some line, and we're going to have to accept it.
0: Yeah. The the idea of Daredevil and his secret identity you brought up earlier, and that, that is one kind of question that I've always had about this show that I was wondering what your thoughts on, which is the secret identity plotline is an interesting one, but it's also kind of a, a cliche at this point. Not kind of. It's very much a cliche, um, especially all the ethical questions that it raises and stuff. And I, I recently rewatched the first Iron Man movie and i was thinking about how much it set the tone for the entire mcu both movies and tv one thing i was really struck by was remembering that at the very end he just blows away the whole concept of the secret identity you know he mm-hmm. says yeah i'm tony stark and i'm iron man and and that is now pretty much set for most of those movies like the fact that scott lang is ant-man not many people know but you know no one has any doubts that um uh, uh Steve Rogers is Captain America and and Thor is Thor everyone knows that um Bruce Banner is, is is the Hulk and most people don't know that but we don't really see much of Bruce Banner interacting with the world and hiding the Hulk we we did in the Hulk movie but we've never gone back to it um what what's your take on the idea that like in the in the Netflix shows we we do get these secret identity plots you know where or at least with him because Jessica Jones it's pretty clear. Everyone knows who she is. Everyone knows who Luke Cage is. Most people know that Danny Rand is the Iron Fist. Why do you think it is that the secret identity of Matt Murdock is so important?
1: So part of it is because Matt Murdock was operating outside the law and within the law. I think like right. the fact that he was a defense attorney... Like he would lose a lot of credibility if they knew that he would like he loses every single court case if the prosecution could come to him yeah. and say, "Hey, here's all this these extra uh, extra legal things you've been doing, uh, you probably should drop your case, right?" Right. So he can't... he has a lot
0: more to lose than either Luke Cage or Jessica Jones does in, in that sort of respectability idea.
1: Right. But and and like so the the typical reasoning we're we're given. Uh, in superhero stories behind having the secret identity is it helps protect the people that you are personally connected with you, you, your original persona, not your superhero persona are connected with from the consequences of your actions as a superhero. If they don't know that you care about Karen page, right? Then, then the villains don't know to go mess with Karen page to try to get to you or mess with uh, foggy to try to get to you. Um, Jessica Jones solves that problem by not having connections with other people, <laughs> right mm-hmm. the one time she does in season two or I mean she has a connection with Trish, and she does get into trouble for that, but she's also like Trish can take care of herself, and then there's this whole other thing happening um but but uh you know she has a, the connection with her mother, and that actually causes severe problems for her Luke Cage um he has some connections, but there's not. <sighs> With Luke, um, no one tries to get at him through his personal connections, which I'm surprised no one's tried to like get at him through his father at this point, yeah. now that that's surfaced. Um, because that's definitely an angle that, for example, Mariah could could pursue. And again, I haven't finished Luke Cage Season 2, so if that actually happens, uh, now everybody knows where I'm at in the show. Yeah. I haven't <laughs> seen that yet. Um, or And with uh, Danny Rand, he doesn't have those kinds of connections with people yes he has with colleen wing who is damn capable of taking care of herself so like that's not a thing uh right. it's, it's only matt murdoch who we see have these connections with people who are you know they're not those kinds of heroes foggy and karen page aren't those kinds of heroes who can who when subjected to situations of extreme violence are capable of of handling it in that way although karen one could argue uh has shown herself capable of doing that, uh, provided that she has access to a firearm. <laughs> um, right. right. Uh, whereas Foggy, you no, know, folds every time, like a house of cards.
0: Yeah. Well, no, doesn't Foggy shoot someone at the end of, def- uh, of Defenders? Does do he? Did I miss violent?
1: that? I feel like he would have a problem with that.
0: I, I thought there was kind of like a simi- – because I mean I, I have always thought that that's one of my favorite parts of Daredevil Season 1. I mean talk about consequences. Karen Page makes probably mm-hmm. one of the most justified self-defense shootings you can imagine in Daredevil Season 1 and she's haunted by it. Yep. And I, I loved that idea of you can kill someone for the most justified reasons and a lot of people are going to have trouble sleeping at night. You know? Yep. Um and and yeah, so I think that'd be interesting to explore. I, I don't, again, it's oh, why did Daredevil season two have to be so bad? Um, Only the, half the second of it. half of it, at least. Only, Only half. half of it. You're right. But it it leaves me that there's a lot of things that I just don't remember as well.
1: Right, and, and, same, and same with Defenders. But yeah, so so there's this. So I think the the secret identity question. Getting back to it, um, I feel like part of it, honestly, and this is stepping entirely out of um the ethics discussion. It's it's got to do with the budget. Like, it's mm-hmm. a lot, e- like, they know that the, the movies are going to have a lot of, you know, high-octane action scenes with explosions and things that are way difficult to button down and, and hide under under wraps. You know, Matt Murdock does his fighting in a hallway, uh, but Tony Stark and, and Thor, they do their fighting in the middle of New York City for all to see, right? They, you can't right. really mask what's going on there. Um and it's because you could, they can afford to do those kinds of really big scenes with lots of lots of property damage and 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 explosions and all that nonsense, um, in the shots. And so, in those movies, if they had to deal like dealing with secret identity stuff is like, eh, you know, that's that's not what we want to focus on. We want to focus on like the the big high impact stuff, high octane stuff, um, right? Or we want the person who who we're dealing with to be very very small, and so nobody can actually see them doing these things. In the case
0: of well, Anthony. and again, and again, it's it's one more way that I'm so sad that we don't have the the snapshot taking place in this world. We don't mm-hmm. have that continuity because. You know, how great would it be? You know, let's say Matt actually did survive. this uh, You know, what if the snapshot happened while Matt's in that hospital and he's kind of waking up and coming back into that world to see that it's all happened? And now he's kind of faced with people being like, wait a minute, like half the human population is gone. Most of the fighting with these horrible aliens, at least half of it, took place right here in New York City. You think we care who's wearing a mask? Like mm-hmm. while beating up like low level street thugs? Like yep. I mean what a great moment of perspective that would have been. Um but no, we're not gonna get that. So anyway, I, I did have that on the agenda is Matthew gives his mini rant about continuity, and I've kind of just put it in a couple of times here and there, so we can check that off the list.
1: But, I mean, I'm um, I'm right there with you, obviously. Like again, I feel like the stories would have been far more interesting if we actually just dealt with it. I was really excited after after avengers infinity war being like oh man what's the what's jessica jones gonna be like what's the tone of luke cage gonna be like when a bunch of people have just yeah. up and vanished like i know these shows are on the slate before uh part two of uh, infinity war part two and we're like man that's gonna be good and then they just no, they're no we're setting it before all that happened. like hmm,
0: yeah it feels and like it just... such a miss. Well, and it's like you said, it, it's – and, and I, I do think it's an ethical thing too because it, it goes again to this idea of there not being any real consequences. Yes, and exactly. And that's just that, um, you know, Tony Tony taking Peter Parker with him – I mean, yeah, Peter, he didn't want to, but like, um, you know, I, I'm sure we're going to get a little bit of it in season in, – not season two, but in, in Infinity War Part 2, we're going to get some scenes of Tony dealing with – uh, Peter Parker not uh, being gone or being dead, being ashed before Peter comes back. But, and that'll be, that'll be somewhat satisfying, but I just, you're right. I would have loved to see just how the whole world is so different, you know?
1: And, um, and you want to talk about ahead. the the problem with the disposable characters trope, right? Where like, oh, these people don't matter uh, so we can kill them. Like, Thanos literally wiped out half of of humanity as part of his thing we are given to understand and by not addressing it in anything in any of the the media that were being put out we're effectively saying those lives don't matter they're not important enough to tell that story and it just i have i have a huge problem with that like it, it means it makes it meaningless right it doesn't it doesn't matter The deaths have no impact other than the named characters that we're going to care about in our next movie. And that's just... I just feel like that's really bad.
0: Yeah, well, I mean, I think clearly those deaths are going to have meaning in the next Avengers property. Yeah. And, 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 and like, 20 years ago, that's fine, you know? I don't expect anyone in Star Trek to care about Star Wars because they're different worlds. And 20 years ago... If someone died in Gotham in the Michael Keaton Batman movies, I wouldn't expect that to in any way affect what was happening with the Superman movies. Because they were two different worlds in the movies, even though they weren't in comic books. But what Marvel has tried to do is to say, no, all of these worlds are connected. And and yeah, that's what I just think. Like If the worlds are connected and you have something with really powerful, ethical, and emotional, and... and all of these implications happen in one part of your world. If you don't show it in the other parts, you really don't have the expanded universe you're claiming to.
1: I felt like we were going to get it because they talked about in, in a, was it Daredevil season one? Where they talked about the thing that happened in New York and they, they talked about, uh you know, the impact of it and how New York's shaken because of the events of Avengers. And so I thought oh, for I mean, yeah. sure we were going to keep doing that connection.
0: The entire plot of Daredevil Season 1 revolves around the construction contracts to rebuild New York after the Avengers. And that was so brilliant. So good. Yeah. So – let's try to um I, I think it's kinda of funny that we spent so much time, um uh, you know, over the last two years talking about how much we love Daredevil and, and instead today we've mostly talked about our problems with the snapshot and Daredevil season two. But but let's kinda of end on a more positive note. What what are some of the things you're really looking forward to? Um in we we talked about Luke uh Iron Fist somewhat, it comes down to specifics, but but what are other general things you're really looking forward to seeing in, in um uh season three of Daredevil?
1: Well, I, I'm looking forward to seeing um I guess I want to see who all they bring in, who all of the, the cast of characters they bring in to interact with the now newly minted fresh from the pack, Matt Murdock, because he's, he can't be the same character who, who went down the, however many floors into the skeleton of Shaolin or whatever in the heck it was, uh, was Shaolin the name of the dragon, whatever. Um, who went down into that area and, and done got dieted. Um, he's yeah. got to be somebody else, right? And then, like, who they're going to choose to have him interacting with? I'm, I'm interested to see that. I'm interested to see in how the character of Matt murdoch explores this sort of renewed lease on life, and like, whether he thinks, "I've been granted a second chance. I've got to do better. I've got to not blow this," or whether he spends a large portion of it dazed and confused and not knowing, like, should I, should I put the mask back on? Does the world need me? Am I? Am I irrelevant in the face of um, a bulletproof superhero, somebody with super strength, and somebody whose, you know, fist glows and he knows martial arts? And I guess that's a thing too. Like, yeah. And, like, I, I think that that could be very interesting if if De- season three of Daredevil is actually the the existential crisis of Matt Murdock post mortem, right? he, because he, he knows he should have died, and exploring that i don't know how much they can i don't know how much navel gazing they can get out of it but i think they could get a couple of things out of it at least a couple of episodes
0: yeah I, I i could definitely see that especially because well one thing is we kept saying before or you you convinced me that that a big part of danny's motivation is that he's trying to save Elektra. Mm-hmm. so what if electra actually is dead and now he's got to wrestle with that like, big, that part, of, big be... part
1: of matt's motivation you mean? Yeah, uh, the Unless Matt's you're motivation... telling me Iron Fist spoilers, in which case.
0: <laughs> oh no! Oh god! No! No! Sorry! No, that's I I, I messed up the words there. No, um, yeah, Matt Murdock. A big part of Matt's um motivation was to try and save Elektra, you know, emotionally and and intellectually, and 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 morally. And so, what if he got her killed? Um, right. you know, I think that would be a really interesting thing to explore. And you're right. I, you know, I think one of the things that is both I love and sometimes a little frustrating about Matt Murdoch is. We, we don't really quite know the extent to which he has supernatural senses because of the, the radiation of the accident that happened or if he just is the way many people are if they lose one sense that others become very developed. I mean the, the degree to which he – sees the entire world through hearing. He basically has sonar, I think is, mm-hmm. uh, from, from blind people I've spoken to, far beyond anything anyone's ever, that any blind person has ever had. But but they're never quite clear on, is that just because Stick trained him so, so well, or is his hearing kind of supernatural? But but even if that he has kind of super senses, you're right, he's either a non-powered individual or his powers are much lower on the scale than any of the rest of the Defenders. And... The fact that he died, or at least almost died, that you're right. I think there's a really interesting story to explore there about him saying, like, maybe I'm not quite the person to to um, to mix it up with these folks. Um, although, as I say that, I'm remembering something that the, the show hasn't explored much, but I know is so central to the comics, is he's the man without fear. And... I, I on some level like I'd like to see them explore that. On the other hand, I feel like that would now be such a departure from the comic book character mm-hmm. that I don't know if they would ever do that. Yeah. So let's um I, I think that's going to be kind of wrapping it up. I think um my only kind of last things that I would say is I'm I I'm really looking forward to him and Foggy being back. I'm really looking forward to if they are. I I really hope they are. I'm really looking forward to more of the You know, not that the Catholic priest is going to come back, but more of those kind of scenes of Matt wrestling with his conscience, of Matt trying to decide how much he can or cannot be on one side of the law or the other. Um, You know, it's funny, um, we've been talking with um, Jessica, who was our Jessica Plummer, who was our guest on an episode a while ago about the Punisher. She is a huge Superman fan, and we've been... uh, Uh, Jacob, you and I have been talking about how I've been talking with her about getting her on for an episode to talk about Superman and Batman and how the two of them are kind of at different ends of the spectrum of how much you work within or outside of the law um, in the fight for justice. Matt Murdock, to me, is kind of perfectly in between those two, being pulled in both directions. And I, I love Daredevil because I think that's my favorite moral question about superheroes, and I would just really like to see us explore that a lot more. I feel like I've made a lot of comments about how much I disliked the sort of zombies, zombie ninjas at the end of the hand. But I think one of the reasons is because once they're undead, once they're kind of dead people who've been brought back to life through hand magic, there's no more ethical problem with killing them. And I think that took away such an interesting part of his character.
1: Yeah. And and something that like his struggle with that, his scenes with the priest, his, his talking with uh, people who, who knew about his you know this is the conflict this is what he's wrestling with that was a big part of what made the matt murdoch character so compelling for me because i feel like there's a universe where he has to make the decision to end a life rather than letting them continue doing what they're doing and up to this point i don't think he's really he's really had to to make that call He's always been able to find some other way to go about it. And I don't know if he wants to cross that line ever. I would love to see a scene where he has the option to end, like, he thinks, okay, it's probably better to just end this uh, this person's life and still just chooses not to because he can't, He like, because he struggles with the fact that, like, well, I felt this way about Electra, and I still am not sure I was right there. Right. And he just, he can't, he can't, he can't bring it upon himself to be the one to make the call.
0: Yeah. Yeah. No, I definitely think that that's a really good one. Um, yeah. So I, I think there's going to be a lot of good stuff. We've got two weeks. Um, you know, I, I know you got, you haven't even gone through Iron Fist yet. Uh, and I, I tend to watch things fast with you because I, I, for full disclosure, I work from home and Jacob doesn't. So I, I often have a lot more time to, um, to to burn through a lot of this stuff, um, which is why often, um, you know, we tend to sometimes get to things with a little more uh, reflection time. I like to um, – sometimes we're going to have episodes come out right when a show or a movie comes out. But sometimes we're going to have it come out a couple weeks or a couple months later. I- I'm guessing that, that you're not going to wait too long on Daredevil and we're going to get to no. it pretty soon. But-, but we'll see what happens because uh, schedules can be a while. So. I mean, as soon
1: as I'm done with Luke Cage, it's on to Iron Fist. And as soon as we're done with Iron Fist, it's on to Daredevil. So Nice. But just nice. chewing through it like – one episode at a time. Uh, I I don't really binge watch these things. Uh, mm-hmm. I I don't have the time. Sorry, everybody, if I sound exhausted, it's because I am. Uh. <laughs> <laughs>
0: no, understandable, understandable. is a lot. We're both doing other times. Um, but we can. So, so I hope everyone's looking forward to um uh, watching the 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 new season of Daredevil. Um, and and stay tuned. I'm sure we're going to be talking about Luke Cage. We're going to be talking about Iron Fist, and we will be talking about Daredevil at some point. But for our next episode, we are going very far outside of the Marvel Universe, and we're going to a completely different time. Uh, In fact, we're going several hundred years into the future. We are going to be talking about Star Trek The Wrath of Khan. Um, This might sound like a bit of a departure for an ethics podcast, and I admit part of why we're going to do this is because that's just such a great, badass movie. Mm -hmm. Um, But but you and I were talking that... um, we did this with um, Ender's Game a while ago where we watched a movie and then just immediately afterwards talked about it. We and, did it with we Ready thinking... Player One. We did it with Ready Player One. That's correct. I'm sorry. We I did I not associate... do it with Ender's Game. <laughs> I associate those movies and, and books together for a lot of reasons that we've discussed already. Um, but, but yeah, and I, I think this is another uh, – we're going to do the same thing. We're going to get together. We're going to watch that movie, and then immediately afterwards we're going to talk about it. And knowing us, we'll probably spend a little bit of time talking about how what just makes it such a great movie and the fact that it's amusingly enough, probably the best submarine warfare movie ever made. Um, which is really odd for a Star Trek movie. <laughs> but but if you've seen the movie, you know what I'm talking about. But I do think there it, it, it is in a movie that brings up a lot of great questions about revenge and about punishment. And I mean all you know, so much not not to spoil it, but 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 uh, I'll be very careful to say this in a non spoilery way. But a central part of the movie is the fact that 20 years ago, one of our heroes tried to humanely deal with a villain, and now the villain is back, and they're questioning how they tried to deal with the villain. And it brings up issues of aging, and, and what does it mean to sort of be no longer the people you once were, and, and, and fathers and sons, and, you know, a topic you and I both love to get into. So, mm-hmm. yeah, I am i don't know how you're feeling of, about it, but I, I'm really excited for that episode. So and I, I
1: also themes of sacrifice in Wrath of Khan. There's oh, also, yeah, of course. Right. Yeah, so there's also um, this whole thing about the ethical use of scientific developments and yes. and the responsibility of the military to not take them, and they're – oh, man. Oh, it's yeah. so good.
0: There's so much there we're going to chew on, and, and, and I'm saying this to you all both to get you a little excited about it, but also to say we love the audience interaction. We often we sort of do it at the end, but we love to start it on the other side, so – If that's a favorite movie of yours, what's a question you'd love us to explore? What's a a point of view you have on one of those questions you'd love us to to read and to talk about? Uh, Please let us know. As always the best way to do that you can find us on on Twitter and Facebook at superhero ethics um we have now there's a superhero ethics page but the the much better way to get these conversations going is the superhero ethics group um it, it it's a slow process to shift it over and I know a lot of folks haven't made that shift yet but um if you can join find the superhero ethics group the link will be uh in the show notes to this episode join that group it's going to be where we're trying to really start discussions like this about Uh, about uh, Daredevil, about Wrath of Khan, about all the things that are going on. It's a great way to stay in touch with us. Um, But you can also tweet at us, as I said, at SuperheroEthics. You can email us at SuperheroEthics Superheroethics at gmail.com. And any of those ways, we'd love to hear your thoughts. Um, So uh, thank you guys, everyone, for tuning in. Please also let us know what you think about this and and what you're looking forward to for Daredevil. Uh, And on behalf of myself and Jacob, thank you guys all. Have a great day.
1: Take care.